Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my this is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. We're talking football with the professor, John Clayton. If you guys have questions, you know what to do. Text those questions in right now. 206-421-3776. That's 421-ESPN. We'll try to get to some of your questions before we let John go for the day. Hello, John. Hello, guys. Well, uh, Jacob Eason, now a member of the Seahawks. How about that? I know. What, what does that mean to you? He's a guy that's, we've all talked about the potential, his measurables, his size, his arm strength. There have been questions about his intensity, or I guess maybe his desire. What what, what do you hear about him? I mean, it just didn't work out in, in Indianapolis because he just didn't make much progress, and that's surprising because they've got a great head coach who's great with quarterbacks and Frank Reich. Uh, you know, what I look at with Jacob is that uh, you know I thought going to Indy last year as a fourth round pick was perfect because his throwing style is a little different. It's a little, and it was very similar to Philip Rivers. And so I thought, huh, that'll be good because then he can learn from Philip and, you know, develop and do things like that. But unfortunately, he didn't develop. And then this year he was kind of caught cold because, you know, he was running first team once Carson Wentz couldn't practice all training camp. And the next thing you know, he dropped behind uh, other quarterbacks and then finally gets cut on Monday. And so it's like or on Tuesday. It's like, wow, how about that? So, uh, you know, just you, you pick up a prospect and. Like anything else, I mean, I don't, I don't read more into it than that. I mean, certainly he's got more experience than uh, Jake Luton, so it's like uh, you give him a chance to not, I mean, come in here, uh, learn the system a little bit, and if needed, he can help. If not, then he'll get cut and then go on the practice squad. Well, people are freaking out about, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do with him? I'm like, I don't think he's going to see the field. But, no, he's not. Yeah, it's just depth right now. You know, we, we were looking at uh, – Case uh, Case Keenum Case Keenum uh, going to yeah. be the starter in Cleveland. You know, kind of brings to brings up you know the good backup quarterbacks. I saw preseason John that somebody had Geno Smith as the twenty sixth ranked yeah. backup quarterback. It's a little harsh. I, I wonder if they you know they were making that based on look he's never going to see the field because Russ is always healthy, but. You know, as far as, you know, I feel like he is upped, you know, if you have him at 26, okay? Yeah. I think he's climbed up quite a few spots with based on his performance. And I just go off of, okay, yeah, he the fumble, he didn't take care of the ball, Pete says. And then, you know, the interception, his receiver fell down. But 72% completion, I, I think he's he's definitely upped his status in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, it was interesting because I know that, uh, you know, yesterday we were talking about who are the best backup quarterbacks. And so I started to look at some of the ratings that were coming in from different people. And believe it or not, Case Keenum came out number one. Yeah. And, of course, that tells me if Case Keenum is the best backup quarterback in the league, there's a lot of bad backups. <laughs> now, again, you know, you got you got Marcus Mariota, who's been injured off and on the last two years. You know, he's going to be up there. Uh, I don't know where you want to put uh, Huntley, you know, the quarterback at uh, now at Indy. It's like, uh, you know, he may be up there. But, again, it's, uh, certainly you don't want to put Nathan Peterman anywhere near there. He should be 26th if that's going to be the case. But, no, I think the only reason that Geno's 26th is because, you know, whatever in his last 
couple starts, and certainly with the Jets, he probably came off as a Debbie Downer, and uh, everybody was down on him and all that stuff. Uh, and, of course, it's hard to give any kind of good rating to somebody who hadn't played in five years. But I, I think you know what you're looking at right now, that uh, as he sorts things out, he'll rise to the top ten. Yeah. Well, Case Keenum, like you said, he had a year 2017. Mm-hmm. It was 11-3, 67%, 22 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. So, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like yeah, he probably deserves that number one status as far as back. Yeah, and then Gar- Garner Minshew's got to be in there, too, somewhere in the top five or six. Yeah. Well, and they had in the list I looked at, obviously it was before the year started, they had Teddy Bridgewater, which yeah. I would have probably made him maybe number one. Does he still only have one interception, I think? I think yeah, he's but, got- I, but I tell you what, I mean – that game on Thursday night is going to be fascinating with all the injuries for the Cleveland Browns. And Teddy Bridgewater goes in there with a foot quad injury. And what I didn't realize until I started writing... Wait, a, what, in, what did you say? A foot quad? Foot slash quad. Oh, I thought it was foot quad. No. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Please a, continue. A foot and a quad. <laughs> okay. So uh, he. Uh, what I didn't realize is that he got hit 17 times in the game. I can't remember a quarterback getting hit 17 times. Maybe Joe Burrow did last year. But 17 times last week, Teddy Bridgewater was hit. So there's no wonder he's carrying through an injury. And the one thing, of course, with a foot-slash-quad is that uh, you know he's most likely not going to be able to scramble. So that should be interesting. Bridgewater threw three picks last week? Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at because the Steelers picked him off, and that was his first interception. But that was the last game that we played before the Steelers. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we better update uh, update those numbers, Dave. Uh, Let's get that <laughs> taken care of. John, I was looking at a tweet from uh, John McClain, who's been covering the Texans out there for quite some time, and he was saying that it looks like there could be a deal between the Texans and the Miami Dolphins for Deshaun Watson maybe as early as this week. What do you think? Yeah, I think now because, again, it still came down to one thing. Uh, is Houston going to be reasonable? Uh, and it now sounds like they might be reasonable you know, because you know, here it is. You've got uh, you know a quarterback who's being paid ten point four million dollars and not playing and doesn't want to be there and obviously you can see that uh, you know the and the Dolphins right now at one and five and a five game losing streak are a solid mess and so they've got to start the rebuilding process so you're going to see uh, Chris Greer the general manager and maybe Brian Flores fired the coach you know because of how bad things are but you know uh, but you can you can see that Houston. You know, Houston being Houston because the Texans are just terrible. Is that uh, you know they uh, you know they let uh, Whitney Merciless go, who was making over ten million dollars a year just out of the blue, and then they had signed Andre Roberts, you know, a wide receiver, uh, you know, Pro Bowl caliber return specialist. You know, he they cut him yesterday, and so all of a sudden, you know, they both landed quick jobs because Roberts went to the Chargers, Merciless went to the Green Bay Packers, and the you know the now the Texans are two players less talented, and certainly now, but that you know that probably cleared a little bit of cap room, even though they took a big cap hit on Merciless. But uh, to me, it's just like what what are they doing? But of course, that's the Texans. So I, I guess the fact that you you think there's some validity to this Deshaun Watson to Miami deal that tells us they're out on Tua. 
they don't they don't buy that he's the guy. Well, I mean, again, it depends on the price and what they have to pay for. Because if they can't get it for the right price, and remember, you know, one of the one of the crazy parts about that three way San Francisco Philadelphia trade is that you know here's the Dolphins at one and five, technically according to the draft, the third worst team in the NFL this year because of the the schedule that they have, which is a little bit lighter than most, and so they're sitting there at uh, you know one and five, but they don't have that third pick. It goes to Philadelphia. Now again, they have an extra pick in the first round, but uh, you know they, uh, you know they they have to do something because again, right now they're they're in trouble, and I guess you can say they probably are a little down on Tua. Hey John, we talked to uh, Mike Triplett from New Orleans, and you know the more I, I look at it and look at this team, the Saints are three and two. Yeah. But they've done it without Marcus Davenport, Quan Alexander. I mean, all these guys have been injured at one point, some all the, the entire time. Trayvon mm-hmm. Smith, Will Lutz, Michael Thomas, uh, McCoy, Armstead. I mean, and they're three and two. And and then you know Marshawn Lattimore, their corner, he has thumb surgery in week two, and I guess it wasn't you know terribly um, complex as far as the surgery goes, but. You know, he's out there playing with a cast, knocks down six passes, and I guess it ties some NFL record. It was like 15-year mm-hmm. record or something like that. I mean, it, this team's got a lot of grit, man. I mean, you look at uh, as far as, uh, you know, losing that many that many starters and being 3-2, and two, uh, they might be a little bit better than people think. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, but, and of course, I mean, you know, they may get some of these guys back this week, you know, because Omanieta the uh, defensive tackle, you know, he served his six-game suspension, so he may be able to be active. Uh, I know that Alexander has been designated for a possible return. Uh, so that's Quan Alexander, yeah, yeah, Quan Alexander for a possible return. And so, yeah, I mean, they may start getting some guys back. And but you know, don't forget they also lost Trey Hendrickson, a good pass rushing defensive end to Cincinnati. He's having a great year with the Bengals, mm. so they lost that. And uh, you know, they lost Janoris Jenkins, you know, who the jackrabbit and he's in tennessee right now so they they i counted up at the beginning of the year particularly with mike thomas being hurt they were down 10 starters wow 10 starters from last year yeah so i mean i guess that's my point they get a lot of they got a lot of grit there yeah, and they, they do and teams like that you know they have a tendency to bond and play a little bit over their heads i feel like mm-hmm yeah yeah, because again, I mean, two offensive linemen hurt, uh, you know, for multiple weeks. You know, Armstead a real good left tackle. Him being hurt for you know close to a month. I mean, that takes away a lot. And then you know, really, when you look at their wide receiving core, you, know, you take away Michael Thomas and three of their top receiver undrafted guys. Four two one three seven seven six four two one ESPN. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. That's the text line. If you've got a question for John, you can text it in. Uh, this one from the 253, John, can you help us understand why L.J. Collier continues to be a healthy scratch? Is he that bad? Is he in the Seahawks' doghouse? Uh, several reasons. I mean, you've got Kerry. I mean, three, I can give you three reasons. Kerry Hyder uh, certainly can give you Brian Monet and certainly give you Robert Candici. They've moved ahead of him. Simple as that. So it is that he's that bad. They're better than him. Well, they, they're ahead, I mean, they're ahead of him right now in the playing order. So, uh, and, and remember, as much as L.J. Collier is a former first-round pick with a second-round grade, I mean, Kandichi was projected to be a top-five pick, and Monet has just kind of settled in very nicely. Hyder was a nice 
pick up in free agency and has done a pretty good job here. So, you know, that's that ends up what happens. I mean, you end up, uh, you know, dropping down the list when other guys come in. But you would think if he had in their mind any ability to impact in a positive way he'd be out there because they're not getting anything from the guys you just listed i mean the only guy that's really done anything in the way of really being an effective pass rusher is daryl taylor we were you know so he could he not at minimum be part of the rotation well i mean where was oj collier in the pass rush when he was active he was not to be seen he was he was invisible and that that to me was more about who he is as a player and not Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not oh, well, Monet is just that much better, but he's just so great, but he's still really good. I don't think he is very good. Yeah, you you can see what's going to probably end up happening. Now, again, the trade deadline's November 2nd, I think it is, and so uh, something has to happen real quick. But I could easily, seeing a team that loses some defensive tackles and defensive ends, you know, looking to maybe bring him in and get him in a trade, and actually it's only going to get like a seventh-round 2013, 2023 pick, maybe sixth round or something like that, because uh, then you, you unload his guaranteed salary, but you're not going to get much in trade value, but then, I mean, you then create a roster spot. Hey, Carlos Dunlap, we were having a little bit of a conversation about him, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just going back and looking at um, – uh, as far as his his stats go, uh, I looked him up earlier. Now I can't remember, but I mean, one of the things is that he just hasn't he hasn't had a sack yet. Mm-hmm. He hasn't uh, he hasn't really impacted a game. And after six games last year, uh, he had six sacks, uh, fourteen tackles, eleven quarterback hits, and right now he's got six tackles, two passes knocked down, and then. You know, and I'm going to get to this with Jamal Adams, but people are saying, "Oh, he got paid," and he, he's, you know, they're saying that he's shutting it down. He's not playing oh. hard and things like that. That's that's not what I'm seeing. But I mean, what do you, what do you think that uh, the the difference is for Carlos Dunlap this year? Because you have to go back to like 2011 to find a drought. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as sacks go, I mean, he's on a six-game drought right now. And, you know, if you go back to 2011, I think there was like a seven-game period where he, he didn't have a sack. Yeah, and I, I I look at it more as the problems in the secondary than it is Carlos Dunlap. Because, you know, particularly, you know, until a Sunday, uh, Sunday night, you know, they had that problem where it's like uh, there was no syncing up between the uh, linebackers, the guys in the secondary. And so all those open spots were, you know, spots in the middle of the field were open. And, of course, quarterbacks could get rid of the ball quicker and not have to be worried about getting a pass rush. And so I think a lot of it has to do with the secondary. Now, if the secondary is going to get better, particularly if Trey Brown's going to be able to do some things and Sidney Jones, I mean, we know that KJ, uh, DJ Reed is doing well. If they can you know, pick up and continue to get better in their game, it's going to help out that pass rush. Yeah. Well, by the way, Daryl Taylor, yeah. what, what do we, any update on him? I mean, it sounds like he's going to be good to go. Sounds like there's a possibility. Now, again, there's no injury report today because yeah. it's, you know, technically a Tuesday in a regular week. Yeah. I know it's Wednesday, but just based on what you've heard Pete say I, and everything. Mason, right, right now, I think he has a chance yeah. to be able to play. I mean, again, he, you know, because what Pete said, it wasn't a neck injury because everybody thought it was a bad neck injury. Obviously, he went to the hospital, which has got to be scary. But in the end, I think that, uh, you know, he does have a chance. Yeah. That guy really, I, I think he has. He has a lot of hope, a lot mm-hmm. of promise there from him. Hey, John, during the broadcast, they had this this graphic. I'm not sure if we've talked about this with you, but 
I don't know if you saw it or not, but they had the Legion of Boom, and they had I think it was Sherm, Earl, and Cam, mm-hmm. and talk about their you know scoring title and everything four years in a row. And then the M falls off, and it says the Legion of Boo, and it has a picture of Bobby. <laughs> it sounds uh, like a Clayton joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but Jamal, Bobby, and. And Quandre Diggs, mm-hmm. I got to imagine the guy's pretty upset about. That. I mean, that was a pretty that's as bad or as damning of a you know stack. Usually those stats are positive, yeah, and that yeah. one was that one was super negative. I was like, man, that was pretty that was pretty harsh. That is, I agree. Was well, it, and that was on the broadcast. Yeah, it was yeah. on the Sunday night broadcast. Oh my god! So I'm wondering, you know, those guys are probably like, and I'm sure, like Bob was just saying. I mean, if they didn't see it, I'm sure somebody told them about it. Uh-huh. So yeah, I'm just wondering. <laughs> I don't think I've seen anything that that was was that harsh. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not sure if they're going to be back on Sunday night football. But those three probably not wanting to do an interview with Chris Collinsworth or anything like that. So you're telling me that they have the Legion of Boo for three Pro Bowl players yeah but i mean they had the numbers you know and it was oh, 400 pro bowl numbers 450 <laughs> yards given oh. up and, and things like that so i mean i just gotta you know you know nfl players yeah. i mean it's got to be like a major motivator for those guys i would think i would think so yeah because again it's just nasty that's bad stuff i don't like it hmm. john I, I love this headline this is you like this dave yeah jared goff I'm not worried about feeling some type of way playing the Rams. <laughs> I love Wait, it. Wait, he stole that from Bumpus. Yeah, feeling Bumpus some type of way. I feel a certain type of way. Earl's the first I heard say that. Earl? Mm-hmm. Yep, he said it. I can't remember what he was talking about, but he's saying it makes me feel some type of way. And I'm like, well, what type what of way, way are we yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, what yeah. We? That, that is such an Earl Thomas thing to say. It, yeah, but yeah. Th- that, that's what the kids are saying these days, John. Yeah. I, this makes me feel some type of way. But uh, it, it's interesting to see Jared Goff go. We, we heard Sean McVay. I don't know if we talked about it with you, but it sounded like he was a little remorseful in the way things were handled with Goff and the exit. And, you know, he, to his credit, was sort of taking – issue with how he handled it you know i could have done better i didn't i didn't handle that well essentially was what he was saying but yeah what, what do you think this is going to be like i mean is there you know from golf i don't expect them to win certainly the the lions are a bad team yeah but do you, do you expect some different level of golf that there's going to be i don't know we always talk about does that mean he wasn't trying harder before but now he's really going to try or what do, what do you expect in this well i don't expect much good because they're a horrible team I mean, they're the worst team in football right now. They, Detroit and Houston and Jacksonville. Maybe add the Jets in there, too. I mean, they're terrible. And there's not a lot of weapons to work with right now. Their offensive line's a mess because of injuries. You know, Goff's not. And, and again, you know, what you wonder with the uh, knee-biting uh, head coach, does he have the right coordinator? Because there's a lot of comments coming out of Detroit that uh, the system that Goff's in doesn't fit what he does. And then you know what happens if he has a scramble. I mean, he's terrible as far as being able to, you know, be able to sync up and doing something like that. So, yeah, you throw all that together. It's like I don't see much hope. And, of course, I don't think Sean McVay. I mean, Sean McVay, I think, trying to be as politically correct this week as he possibly can because he knows there's going to be such a light on this game because of the Goff uh, Stafford trade. But, I mean, he hated the guy. I mean, he hated Jared Goff at the end to a point where he didn't even want him to be around. And so, I mean, I'm sure once they made that trade, he was jumping for joy. I'm sure he was in Cabo like he usually goes. And, uh, you know, because I know that Matthew Stafford ended up joining him there. He's probably in Cabo going, yes, we got rid of Goff. <laughs> Is that how that went down? Because I saw the same yeah. thing, John, by the way. I saw, like, he was, like, glaring at Jared Goff on the sidelines in the Green Bay game. Yeah. Like, he just a look of hatred. But, 
Did did he call Matthew Stafford or, or and say, "Hey, let's go to Cabo"? Or was that? Did they just run into each other? What was I, I think they. I mean, I think Matthew was already down there because uh, uh. again, it's not. I don't think that uh, you know he paid his way down there because that would be a violation of the salary cap. But I think he was already down there, and so it's like, "Hey, come on over and let's eat and have fun." But sounds I mean, like tampering or something. Going yeah. On. What, was it, that... what? No. The, the trade. The trade. I mean, he didn't come over before the trade. You know, he came over after the trade. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so it's like, because uh, again, it's like, you know, uh, Sean will spend, but, but you, you remember, I've said this story a couple times, is that uh, in that uh, week 16 game between the Rams and the Seahawks, uh, you know, you know, he had John Wolford out there, and he gets hurt, and of course, now you have uh, Jared Goff with the thumb injury, and so he had to put uh, Goff in the game, and he went to, I think, Bill O'Connell, the offensive coordinator, and he says, you call plays for a while. I'm sick of this guy. Oh, wow. Wow. Guy goes out there, toughs it out with four yeah. fingers, missing a thumb on the throwing hand. Seems a little harsh. This is the, the only time I respected the guy. Yeah, Dave, Dave finally turned the corner on him in that game, yeah. and McVeigh wants nothing to do with him. Nothing to do with him. So, John, is this... You know, I know mathematically it's not the end of the season if they lose this game, but just if this game feels heavy, there's a lot of weight on this game to turn things around. You can't be two and five. Mm-hmm. You can't be two and five going into a game against Jacksonville and at that point maybe not feeling that great about their chances there. They're coming into this one a five point underdog at home. What's your level of confidence? And and do you feel like this is a kind of a yeah, we, we throw out the must-win cliche, but it really feels like, yeah, you guys desperately need this win. Well, I mean, i feel much better if it was going to be Russell Wilson out there, but he's not going to be out there. So I have to you know, have to th- say there's going to be some concern. There's no doubt there's going to be some concern. Now, the one thing that is in their favor is just like in the AFC, at the moment, each conference only has six teams with winning records. But if you now start to fall a couple games behind New Orleans and some of these three and two, three and three and two, three teams and all that stuff, I mean, you're never going to be able to bounce back. So this is a vital game. It's at home. You don't want to lose a home game. I mean, you can see that, uh, you know, you, you got two coaches right now trying their best who are great coaches, Hall of Fame caliber coaches that have done as best they can to try to keep everything together because Sean Payton has done a remarkable job of keeping things together with what's been going going on with them but you know he's been very conservative i mean it's now rare you see uh Jameis winston throw over 25 passes mm. all right john we'll talk again tomorrow okay there Sounds you good. go if you missed any of today's cold hard facts brought to you by coors light made to chill download the podcast at 710sports.com well it's a two and four football team with questions surrounding a coordinator but enough about the seahawks we'll talk some <laughs> UW football coming up it's wyman and bob on 710 espn seattle